Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Hello, my name is Kelly Brownell. I'm the director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University. Our guest for this podcast is Roberta Friedman, who is director of public policy at the Rudd Center and is very widely involved with public policies related to obesity around the country. So welcome. Hi, Kelly. Thanks. So this public policy landscape has gone from what seems to me zero to 90 in a, in a couple of years, that there was a long time where people were thinking about obesity as not a problem at all, and then more of a clinical problem, and they were concerned about diets. And then people began paying attention to obesity as a public health problem, and that, of course, led to possible policy changes. And now there's a lot of activity when there wasn't much of, much of anything going on before. Um, let's talk about specific pieces of this, because I know you're involved in a lot of the parts of public policy. Um, what do you think are some of the kind of exciting developments that are going on recently in policy? Um, well, there's a whole range of things. I mean, in different categories, for instance, with school policy, the, uh, there's a good chance that the USDA will come through with some really strong regulations on competitive foods. And they've also come through with some good strong regulations on uh, the foods that are served in the national school breakfast and lunch programs and just improving that kind of landscape in the schools. So that's really exciting. Um, and and these are these are federal. These are federal federal, regular, regular. federal bills, right? And um, the sugar sweetened beverage policies that are just exploding across the country. There are policies on taxes, but there are also a lot of very creative things going on in localities um, it, for. Uh, trying to reduce consumption in a whole variety of ways. It's not just educational programs, but policies, for instance, in Boston, the uh, Mayor Menino did an executive order to um, that says that the city won't serve or sell any sugar-sweetened beverages. So we're seeing a lot of those kinds of things. And then there are policies that I'm not directly involved with, but they're farm-to-school policies, and there are a lot of food policy councils springing up across the country that are writing food policy plans that address the entire food system, including what gets sold and served in schools and in restaurants and things like that, all of which ultimately can have an effect on obesity. So we can come back and talk about some of these in particular in just a moment. But I'd like to ask you kind of a general question about why, why do you think politicians are caring about obesity now? And is there a, a common set of reasons or do different politicians care about it for different reasons? And is it all clustered in one political party versus another? What do you, what do you think? <laughs> um, well, I'm seeing more. We, I think we're seeing more interest in uh, from Democrats on this. Um, and from liberals rather than conservatives. But I think, um, sorry, just lost my train of thought. That's all right. Let me, let me start off and ask the question again. Phil, can we, can we go back and correct that? I don't know. What happened? Sorry. That's all right. That, that happens. It's not a, not a problem to redo it. <clears throat> you know what I was thinking of when I was yeah. asking the question about some politicians you know, care about the health care costs, and it's just cost Yeah, that's reduction. what I, I was going to go to that. Others I'd, care about, you know, go off people so many, who are affected. I apologize. I was just calling my wife to let her know that, that I wasn't going to be home to let the dog out. <laughs> <laughs> who um, let the dog out? Uh, oh, are you going to start over from scratch? No, or are you? no, no I'll just start over to. from the, there. I asked a question, and then Rob didn't like her answer, so I can restate the question, or she can just okay, redo we'll the answer. Okay, we'll do that then. Okay. okay, that sounds good. Problem for me is I go off and I thought of the healthcare 
cost issue, and I go off in so many so directions in my head. But okay, so, okay, all right. You know, politicians are really beginning to care about obesity. Do they all care for the same reason, and is the, the interest clustered in one party versus another? No, I don't think they all care for the same reason, although we are hoping that they all are paying attention to the issue because of health care is so costly and so much of it is related to obesity now that that's a reason that both parties, both liberals and conservatives, should be paying attention to this. But I think that um, politicians are paying attention because they're seeing kids in their own communities who are overweight or obese and are suffering from diabetes, they're getting type 2 diabetes. They're seeing adults with cardiovascular disease and dealing with a lot of different uh, diseases that are related to obesity. And they're seeing their constituents uh, suffering needlessly, and they're seeing that they need to help out in some well, that, way. Yeah, that seems so right. Just um, recently I was in New York City testifying regarding Mayor Bloomberg's proposal to limit portion sizes. And a number of people from the city council spoke, some against Bloomberg's proposal and some in favor of it. But one thing that they all mentioned was how seriously their districts were affected mm -hmm. by the problem and how they knew so many people that had diabetes or were suffering bad medical consequences from obesity. It was really interesting to hear that. So I think you, you've really tapped into a uh, an important issue there mm -hmm. that politicians are beginning to care because they see that the people around them are affected and it's more than just an amorphous number of high health care cost numbers and things yeah, like that. Yeah, I think it's that. You know what else it is, too, is that people are seeing, the politicians are seeing it in their own families as well. And so they're caring from that personal level, too. Okay, that's nice. Now, one one very important thing that you do is track public policies related to obesity around mm -hmm. the country. And, and I'd like you to tell people where they can find this information mm -hmm. on the web and then what the resource is like. Yeah, we have a legislation database. And if you go to our main homepage, uh, yellrudcenter.org, on the left-hand side, you'll see legislation database. And what you can do is track all of the state and federal and some city legislation that's going on in this current session. Uh, based on categories. If you're interested in uh, food policy councils, if you're interested in sugar-sweetened beverage taxes, um, any of these different categories related to food policy, you can find those and uh, track what's going on on any individual bill. And you can also create, um, you can download Excel spreadsheets on them to see what the trends are and to see what's going on in any specific area. So somebody could find out what policies are happening in Alabama, let's say, yes. or, or somebody could look to see what's happening on beverage taxes across the whole country. I mean, it's right. an enormously valuable resource. How up-to-date is it? It's, we update it five days a week. Oh, that's pretty so amazing. it's very up-to-date. That's yes. pretty amazing. Yeah. And there are a lot of things out there. I mean, you know, some people might say, well, sure, there are three bills, but I mean, there are hundreds of things. There are hundreds of bills and hundreds of bills in um, each of the categories as well. I mean, there's just been an explosion in the last five, ten years of the kinds of bills that have been, that are, the politicians are taking interest in and that are being filed. Not a lot of them pass, unfortunately, but they keep coming up year after year. So well, we'll have it, some success. And isn't it typical for 
for bills to, to take take a number of times through the system before they finally pass? Yeah, you have to take you have to be very patient with policy because it can take years and years for some bills to pass. I worked on a bill in Massachusetts to ban the sale of junk food and sodas in schools, and it took 11 years for it to pass. That's remarkable. But we had victory finally. Well, I wonder, uh, do you think it's true that what took 11 years in Massachusetts uh, was a prolonged period of time because they were one of the first ones out of the gate to mm-hmm. deal with the issue. But now that these things have begun to pass, that if another state takes it on now, that it won't take nearly as long. Do you think that's true? I think that's true. And we're waiting for that, for instance, to happen with sugar sweetened beverage taxes. We're figuring that once one city or one state passes a tax, we'll have that ripple effect where other cities and other states will pick it up and say, all right, if they did it, we can do it. You know, one of the issues I've heard discussed in this context is that I've heard some people say it would be nice to have some unifying federal legislation that set rules that would be consistent across the country. Uh, and others, other people say, no, it's really good that different localities and cities and states are doing different things because it becomes natural experiments mm-hmm. of a type that you see what works the best because so many things are being tried simultaneously. What do you think makes sense? Um, I think local and state legislation is really the way to go. Federal legislation sometimes, but it, as you're saying, you can get those local uh, experiments going. And what works in one city, for instance, might not work in another. And so it makes sense for um, local control in that way. And so a lot of times what happens with the federal level bills is that they end up preempting the states from making even stronger bills, which is a shame because some cities or some states might want to go even farther and, and have stronger policy. So I know this is this issue of preemption, which I'd like to discuss in a little more detail has come up in the context of both school nutrition and Mm -hmm. menu labeling legislation. Mm -hmm. Could you take one of those and use it as an example of how the the federal action may not be so helpful sometimes because mm-hmm. of the preemption? Well, we do have a, a pretty good and strong federal menu labeling bill now that, that Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro helped pass. She wrote and passed. Um, but in certain situations, if a city or a state wanted to um, apply it apply even stronger rules or for instance right now the um, USDA we're waiting on the USDA to write regulations for the federal menu labeling bill and um, if a city or state wanted to apply it to even more venues than what the federal bill allows they won't be able to because they'll be preempted from doing that so I know the federal government can establish what they call floor preemption mm-hmm. which would be to set minimum standards, yeah. but place, would you be in favor of that sort of? Yeah, minimum standards is good as long as they're high enough, as long as they're good, strong mm-hmm. standards. And then if a state or a locality wants to go even stronger, that's great. That's really nice. So let's uh, take the sugar sweetened beverage taxes as an example of the work you do and the resources that are available from the Rudd Center website. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that a number of places have considered sugared beverage taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you go back to, say, 2009, where the issue kind of came into the fore, uh, what's a general sense of how many cities or states have talked about this, thought mm-hmm. about it, introduced laws, et cetera? So far, there have been about 24 states that have been interested in and have filed legislation. There are maybe five or six local jurisdictions. You know, um, Philadelphia and Washington, D.C. and Baltimore have discussed it. Right now, Richmond, California, and El Monte, California are considering ballots, ballot initiatives. So it's really picked up steam in the 
in the last couple of years, and we're, we have not yet passed a bill, but we're hoping that one will pass soon. Um, what is, how does public opinion go on these sort of things? Because I know you uh-huh. track that to some extent. Um, when you ask people about a sugar-sweetened beverage tax, there's a, um, somewhat of an interest, but it always goes up if you say um, if the taxes, if the revenue that's gained from the taxes is earmarked for childhood obesity prevention, the, the rates go up, uh, the percentage goes up dramatically. And, you know, we can get up to three-quarters of the people saying that they would be in favor of a sugar-sweetened beverage tax. Um, I'd be curious about your prediction of trends. Um, Now, one could say that because of the obesity problem has been growing for many years and more and more political people are interested that what we're seeing is only the tip of the iceberg in terms of policy proposals. Mm -hmm. We're going to see a lot more as time goes on. On the other hand, you could say that there's limited shelf life for issues and people get tired of things and maybe the country's going to move on to something else uh, after obesity. Do you have any sense of where you think this might be going? Do you see the policy arena increasing now and that Mm -hmm. there's more interest, more people involved, more bills and things like that? Where do you think it may go? Um, I think that we're going to keep going with the interest. I I also have been surprised at the level of interest that we've maintained in in, um, the past years. And, you know, I've been working on the issue. I started in Massachusetts 10 years ago. And so I think that we're going to keep seeing politicians be interested because unless we start to see the, the tide go in the opposite direction and we start to reduce the prevalence of obesity, it's going to remain a problem that's going to have an effect on, on uh, everyone in the country and on, the, on health care costs and things like that. So I think that, um, that both states and cities and somewhat the federal government are going to keep raising issues and raising policy and filing legislation on the issue. So it sounds like you're optimistic there will be more, more activity as time goes forward, which, yeah. is, which would be better. If you could pick the policies that you think are likely to have the greatest impact or mm-hmm. would make sense for legislators to focus on, what would you say? Mm-hmm. So if a legislator called you and said, I really want to deal with obesity, where should I start? Mm-hmm. What would you say? Um, I would start with something on sugar-sweetened beverages and, it, it, you know, a tax, of course, because I believe that the tax, it, if it's high enough, um, it will have an impact on consumption. And if the, the money is earmarked for obesity prevention, that's even better. That's a win-win situation. And then, as I mentioned before, there are a lot of different um, kinds of policies that we can work on to reduce consumption. So I would always, I always encourage any any uh, policymaker who might talk to to focus on sugar-sweetened beverages. But I think also if we can get some more uh, legislation going to reduce the marketing to kids, I think that would be very powerful. As Jennifer Harris has talked about in another podcast, it's a powerful medium, and uh, we need to do more things to, for instance, get the marketing out of schools and get the companies to start. They're obviously going to continue to market, but they should market their healthier products. I know it's sometimes said that um, a legislator who might be thinking of this for the first time or might be representing a legislative district that's more conservative and may not want government involvement so much, that uh, taking on the schools as a first step might make sense Mm -hmm. because 
you know, most everybody believes in protecting kids, mm-hmm. and you can get more things done that way. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. Um, we need to keep protecting the kids, and we need to keep raising awareness about the kinds of things that are happening in the schools and that need to be improved. We're making a lot of strides with school food and and um, getting sodas and, and other sugary drinks out of the schools, but there's a lot more work to do still. And um, we need to keep raising awareness about that. You know, for the last question, I'd like to loop back to something that you began with, which is this idea that people are caring about food and food policies mm-hmm. for lots of different reasons. Certainly nutrition and obesity uh, is one reason, but there are lots of people that are concerned about food systems type mm-hmm. policies and sustainability and local foods and things like that. And I know you've been quite involved in some of that work yourself, serving on food policy councils and Mm -hmm. things. Do you see that as a wave of the future that you're going to get more and more people caring about food for different reasons? And is there a way to bring these people together? And Um, Yes and yes. Um, The food policy councils often work on the entire food system. So it's everything from growing the food to processing it to getting it out to restaurants and to families through supermarkets to eating the food and then composting the the waste at the end. And um, I think the more that we talk about those kinds of systems and include talking about obesity prevention in those systems, which would, uh, you know, be right at that point where we're getting the food to people and we're getting the healthiest food that we can to people, then we all have a com- we all have a place at the table in this conversation. It's it's very important to be talking about all the systems and including um, you know ecology and and uh, the environment and and working on saving those things. And I think we can get people interested in those kinds of issues um, together with public health people. Well, it sounds like there's lots of reasons to be optimistic, mm-hmm. and a chief among them is the fact that the public is really caring about these issues, and then, of course, the legislators that represent them are beginning to care, too, and the more voices you have contributed into the effort, the more likely change will occur. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're witnessing this big increase in, in uh, work that people are doing on the topic, which I think is very positive. So um, how would people find uh, the resources that you're involved with? You already mentioned the legislative mm-hmm. database that exists on our website, but I know you're You've coordinated a lot more things like a tax revenue calculator and other things. Yep. Where would people go to find this body of information? So it's on our website, YaleRoadCenter.org, and uh, there's a specific page on resources for sugar-sweetened beverages and taxes. And then also if you go to the pull-down menu for public policy, you'll find a lot of other fact sheets and links to other resources, and the, the uh, revenue calculator is also on the homepage. Good. I'm happy that you mentioned the fact sheets because you've developed a number of very helpful resources, fact sheets, policy briefs, mm-hmm. and the like, that are all available um, and readily accessed on the website yep. on, on any number of issues. Uh, the issue of weight bias, the food and nutrition in schools, mm-hmm. marketing, you know, on and on. And it's the a taxes, very, yeah. very long list. So that's a very helpful set of resources. Well, thank you very much for enjoying. Good. Thanks this. for having me. Our guest today was Roberta Friedman, who's Director of Public Policy at the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University. Uh, Please visit our website, www.yaleruddcenter.org, and there you'll find a variety of resources on food policy issues, including a newsletter that gets dispatched, of course, at no cost on a regular basis, and then we also have a list of other podcasts that we've recorded with excellent guests who come to the Rudd Center. Thank you.